So what we're going to do tonight, um, we are here, we're here in an upper room. That's so cool. How <laughs> so, isn't that neat? I love that we're having, I, I, know, just, I just love that we're having the Bible study here. Yep. Thank you for uh, hosting. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. We're, I really love this. Yeah, we're visiting with Sandy. Yeah. No last names, please, because we're on the internet tonight. But uh, basically uh, what we've done is we're not having our normal Bible study in Hunter's Creek, but uh, Sandy was gracious enough to, uh, to uh, lend her, her home, and uh, we're, we're up here literally in an upper room. It's so cool. And uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to have a Bible study. We're going to go a, a little bit away from our normal routine where it's kind of a preaching type of situation and today we're going to actually we're all sitting around a nice marble table here and what we're going to do is we are literally going to open up the word of God we're going to study and everybody's going to read and give my poor fingers a break today from reading and uh, if that's okay with everybody let's go ahead and pray father we give you thanks we give you thanks and praise for this day father you've brought us here together and your holy spirit has a message to share with us today Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive your word. Satan, we put you on notice. You're not welcome in this place. We bind all spirits, not of the Holy Spirit, all principalities, all evil spirits in high places. We bind you. We're loosed. You're cast out. We command you to go now in Jesus' name. Father, we deploy angels to stand around this place, to guard this place, to keep all foul spirits away. Lord, that any intrusions... Lord, be canceled, be bound up, and be tossed out. Lord, let us hear tonight. Let us have an unobstructed knowing that we are hearing from the Spirit of God this evening. For, Lord, we, re- we just uh, relinquish control to you. We ask you to teach us, for we are your people. We give you thanks and praise. And all those that agree, say amen. amen. All right. So I hope everybody had a great week. It is... Uh, it is election day here in Florida today. The primaries are going on, and uh, it was quite interesting to see the mudslinging going on. But uh, whoever you voted for, make sure that you pray and you make a godly decision. Uh, as for me, <laughs> it's a difficult decision this time. But uh, it's an interesting world we live in right now. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's just truly a time that I think we're going to see in the next year, we're going to see the hand of God, and, and, and I, I don't think anybody that knows the way that our economy is here in the States, that, that we truly need a miracle to get out of the situation we're in. We're trying to send out checks to people and all kinds of other stuff, and what people need to do is just hit their knees and ask God to create a miracle. You know, there's a difference between a miracle and a blessing, guys. Um, a miracle is when you've gotten yourself into a situation or when you're in a situation and you need that one-off Thing. God, I've gotten myself into this situation and I, and I need a miracle. Blessing is actually a perpetual state of being. It's where you're walking in obedience to the word of God and to the way God wants you to walk in your life. And as a result of that, since God is watching over his word to, uh, to perform it, right? He, uh, he's going to perform a blessing in your life. And that, that blessing is going to be perpetual. And, and that has to do with everything from uh, living your life holy. And remember, holy, holiness is a desire to walk in the righteousness of Christ 
and uh, and and uh, that's it's not that you're good; it's that you desire to be good. And when we say good, we mean by walking in Christ's righteousness, not our own. Of course, we we have our own formness of, of our own form of goodness, which uh, which is more uh, uh, religion and a religiosity, if you will, which is man's way of reaching out to God. And God doesn't want you to reach out to Him. God already reached out to you. He just wants you to bask in His goodness and in, and in relationship with Him. Amen. 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 So how many people here have heard about giants? Do you know that we face giants in our lives and not the kind that grow beanstalks? <laughs> you know, we, we have all kinds of giants in our lives, whether that giant is a physical giant, meaning a, a person that really scares you, or a, a, just a, a spiritual giant. It could be a, a situation that you, that you go through or a, a situation that you're, that you're facing in your life. And it's quite interesting because throughout history, we've been dealing with giants. We started seeing giants way, in, way out in Genesis in chapter 6 in Genesis where, where the, uh, the, the, the children, and you don't have to turn there, but the, uh, the children of uh, the sons of God, it says, uh, saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they went into them, which is a biblical nice way of saying they went and had sex with them, and they created giants. They created a, uh, a, a basically a race of beings that were against God, and from this race of beings later came Nimrod and and and, and other people that uh, and other other beings such as the the giant that uh, that David slew, and uh, and other giants that we're going to talk about in a second. So today, we are going to have a really, really fun time talking about big old giants. So why don't you turn in your Bible with me, please, to Numbers chapter 13. That's Numbers chapter 13. And also put a finger there and go to Numbers chapter 14. And we are going to end up in 1 Samuel 17. So that's Numbers 13, Numbers 14, and 1 Samuel 17. And uh, we are going to start by looking at Numbers uh, verses 1 through 2. 1 and 2. And who wants to read that? Henry, you want to read Numbers uh, 13, 1 and 2? Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourselves men, so that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. Now that's interesting. Let's look at that first. First, first God said, first God spoke to Moses. So there's no doubt, and, and we see at other places where Moses quite frequently has conversations with God, and people say, well, yeah, but does that still happen? Of course it does. We've learned in other lessons that God sent us his Holy Spirit. Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left uh, and he ascended, he said, I'm sending you a helper. And, and actually, I was listening to a, a, a teaching recently that actually the helper means, uh, when translated, one like me. So that's really cool. Jesus said, I'm going to send you one like me. And that was the Holy Spirit. And he's not going to be in a burning bush. He's not going to speak to you out of a cloud. He's going to dwell in you and with you. And that's, that's really awesome that we as believers today have the Holy Spirit just for the asking. 
But in this particular case, God spoke to Moses, and God and Moses used to have some pretty intense conversations. And now notice here first, it said, God didn't, God didn't say, you know, Moses, I'm, I'm looking at that, that land over there, and I wonder what's going on. Why don't you send some people over there and, and, and send them in there to take a look around and come back and tell me if it's good, and, and then I'll tell you if you should go. No, God didn't say that, did he? He said, send for who? Send for me? No, send for yourselves. Send for yourself, men, so that they may spy out, spy out the land for of Can, uh, of Canaan which I God am going to uh, am going to give to the sons of Israel. So basically here God is saying, listen, I am going to give you this land. But I want you to go and I want you to go look at how good it is. Can you just picture God talking to Moses? Hey man, I got a present for you. Hey, come here Mo, come here man. I got something for you. I got a present for you. I got this land, man, and it is awesome. See, I talk to God like that. I say, God, Dad, what's up? How are you? I love you, Father. It's just wonderful to be in your presence. And, and, and some people who come to the Lord, Lord, for thou art worthy of our praise. Oh, Father, creator of the heaven. And I don't talk to my parents that way. Don't talk to God that way. When do you talk to God that way? No. No, right? I mean, even Jesus gave us an example when he talked to his father in the, in the garden. He said, Abba, Father. Abba means daddy or dada, Right? So God, God enjoys it when we talk to him like that. It, 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 it's familiarity. But in this case, it's relationship. It's not the familiarity that man knows that creates or that breeds contempt, is it? It's, it's the kind that a father and a son have together. You know, and, and it, it's interesting because one of the, one of the things that, uh, that I've been thinking about recently is, is, is death. Not, not in a bad way. Uh, I'm not worried about death. It's just been an interesting thing as I've been studying for this, this giant study. Uh, one of the things that, that really has, uh, has struck me is the giant of death that people have in their lives. And that, that's a very scary thing for people because they really, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you don't know what God has for you in eternity, that's a really scary giant that's kind of looming. And, and you know, there's two things you can't avoid, right? There's death and taxes. And, uh, and, and this is definitely a giant in some people's lives. So I digress. So back here to, uh, to, 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 uh, to what God is talking about with Moses, he says, send out leaders, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but leaders from each tribe. You know, he wanted to send wise people. He didn't want to send, he didn't just say send anybody. He didn't go, go take up, a, you know, go get volunteers. Go send out the leadership. These are the, and, and, and I guess it, it, it's, it's um, as we see later, it, it's so God can actually show to the Israelites how foolish some of their leaders can really be and how following leadership that's man-led and not spirit-led how it could really get you into trouble. And I'm going to prove that here. So, Sandy, let's, uh, let's get on with our story here and go ahead and read uh, verse 27 and uh, 28. They told Moses, We went into the land to which you sent us. It does indeed flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. However, the people who are living in the land are fierce, and the towns are fortified and very strong. Besides, we saw descendants of the Anakim there. Mm -hmm. 
So basically, so here's God, and he's telling, he's told them, send in spies for yourselves. Because God is happy. I mean, he's like, look, Moses, look what I got for him. But, but I want you to go take a look. And of course, as many of us do, we start to look God's gift horse in the mouth, don't we? Oh, but yeah, God, there's, there's great things there. Sure, no doubt. But then there's giants. And that's the, 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 uh, the people of Anakim, or the, the descendants of Anakim. Anakim was uh, one of the descendants of Ham, okay, from the flood. See, people wonder, people wonder well, because you, you hear teachings and people just kind of touch on the whole giants thing. And they say, well, where did the giants come from? You know, well, the giants came from those relationships with, uh, with, with angels and with women, right? But after that, of course, you have the flood. Yeah. Well, how did they live? Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> the, Bible, the Bible does not say. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you, listen, when he tells Noah to build the ark, he says, I'm about to destroy all living things on it except the ones that are going to go in the ark. And then you said there were survivors from the flood. Yeah, I said, but God had said he was going to destroy everything on the face yeah. of the earth. I really don't understand the reason for that. And really in my research, that's one of those places where the Bible is vague. And I, I would have to defer to saying that, this, that there's probably an issue in the translation there okay. as to exactly what God said. But that's just a guess on my behalf. I would be I would be lying if I said, "Oh, I know. I have I have no idea." But I do know that that these that these uh, these uh, giants were what they called antediluvians, uh -huh. which is before the diluvia or the or the or the, the flood, okay. right? right? And and they they did survive somehow, and they continued to be <laughs> a problem. To God's people, and and we we read about that later, but it was it was quite interesting because here here God's God says I'm going to give you this land, and here God has taken them out of out of Egypt. He's he's uh, which is a type of the flesh. He he's taken them away. He's done all the plagues. I mean, God has been feeding them manna. It just goes to show, I talk to people sometimes and they tell me, Mikey, if I could only get a sign from God, you know, if, and I tell them, listen, man, if God came down and talked to you tomorrow and told you what he wanted you to do, you know what? Next week you'd be griping again yeah. because that's your nature. That's, nature. that's my nature. That's all our natures. It's that flesh of ours yeah. because that flesh is always going to say, as Satan did in the garden, did God say? Ah, you see, did God say? And that, isn't that what our flesh is always saying? God, did, no, you, you, you're not saved. You know, well, why didn't Satan ever tell you you were going to hell before you prayed to Jesus? <laughs> Never did that, did he? But no, you know, and, and this is the whole thing here about, see, understand that the scripture, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. Yeah. The New Testament, I, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It means it's a typology or a type and shadow of the New Testament, right? And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Do you know that ever since the beginning, even from in, within Genesis, Jesus is on the scene? Mm-hmm. You know, and God said, let us, God isn't senile, 
<laughs> you know, and in John, in John, it says in the beginning was the, was, was, uh, was the word and the word was with God, right? And the word was God. So, so here God, see, we see Jesus in the Bible from the beginning. And then when you see, when you see in, later in Numbers, um, when, when, uh, when, when uh, Joshua is uh, going into Jericho, uh, the, the, the angel of the Lord is there and with a sword and basically took, you know, he took the, he did the battle for them. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then, and then as they moved on, uh, then, then God battled with them in the next, in the next battle that they did. And then God, and then God did a battle through them. You see, in the three places, in the three different, uh, and it escapes me, the other two, uh, there's Jericho, there was, um, there was two other lands that they need, two other cities that, that they needed to conquer. And, I, and I'm, I've gone off on a little bit of a tangent, but, so I didn't have it with me. But, uh, but it was, it, it, so basically it goes to show that the more submitted you are and the more you follow with God, when you're first a young believer, well, God does the fighting for you, as he did for, uh, for the Israelites with, uh, with, with uh, Joshua. And then, uh, and then he fights with you. And then, after a while, God kind of stands back and says, okay, now you know my word, you know how to do this, the power I've given to you, I give you, you do what I'll do, and more, for I go to the Father. So see, people say, how dare you say that, you know, that God's going to stand back and let you do something for him. No, 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 no. The Bible says clearly that the battle is the Lord's, but I'm going to use you, the believer, as my battle axe. You're going to be a tool in the hand of Almighty God, and that's why God is going to win the battle through you. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. And it says that, that you will do greater things than I. For I go to the Father. Jesus said he gave us a certain amount of power. And Jesus, remember it says in the books, in one of the Gospels, I forget which one, that if, if, uh, if all the things that Jesus did would have been written in books, there wouldn't be enough books on the earth to contain it. Uh-huh. You see, so Jesus basically said, you know, what I've done, and he's talking about everything he's done that the disciples saw. You'll do and more. Mm-hmm. Meaning you just seen the tip of the iceberg, dude. I mean, you haven't seen nothing yet. Mm-hmm. But I go to the Father. I go to prepare a place for you. But I'm going to send for you that helper, someone like me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, so that, that's why he said that you'll do what I did and more. Not saying that you're more than him. No. But you're going to do using his power. You're going to do even more than he did. Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, absolutely. So. Yep, that's right. That's, and and that's, that's where we get our word dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. So it's, which is delegated power. <laughs> so when you want to blow up a building, you delegate the power to the dynamite, right? You don't go in there and go, blow up! You know, you go in there and you set some sticks of dynamite and you light it and you run. <laughs> um, amen. So, so here, here, now going back to the typology of the Old Testament, okay, Going back to the typology of the Old Testament, we've got, we've got the, 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 the representation or the, the, the type and shadow of the New Testament. And Egypt represents the flesh, right? When we were dead in our trespasses, we were in Egypt, or it's called Egypt. When we, when we, when we heard from God, when God called us, okay, when we got our calling and we accepted Jesus and we were grafted in to the Abrahamic covenant, Okay, which was which was covered in Genesis, the Abrahamic covenant. Covenant was um, when we were grafted in. 
and our spirits were awakened and made alive. Now God is bringing us into a promised land. And, and as, as you've heard me say before, you know, it takes Christ a second to get us out of Egypt. Bam, you're out. But it takes him a lifetime to get Egypt out of us. Amen. So Egypt is our griping and complaining. And what you're seeing right here is you're seeing God said, go. And that's what God is telling you. Take my son, accept my son, and go. God wants to bless you. The scripture says that we go from, glor- from, 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 glor- from faith to faith and from glory to glory. But do you know what faith and glory are? Faith is your belief in things unseen. And glory is the manifestation of that faith belief coming to pass. Seed time, harvest time. You're familiar with that term? You ever heard that term in the scripture? Everything is seed time, harvest time. And there's a time when you go out and you plant seed, folks. When you take a handful of seed and you throw it out there, or even when you're a farmer and you go out there and you carefully plant your seeds and you put them in nice little rows, by the time you're finished, you look out and you don't see much. You've got to really believe that that seed is, is, uh, is, is, is coming to pass. And you know what's interesting about that seed as it's coming up? It's very vulnerable. It's extremely vulnerable. If, if, you, if, if something goes through your field when that seed is just coming up and there are little shoots in the ground and tramples them, that seed's going to die. Mm-hmm. Now let's look at how that applies in the believer. If you believe something, if you believe in God for something and you start having doubt and something comes along and kills your seed of faith, your own words could do that. Your own belief system, your stinking thinking, the way that you handle your situations when you're going through this negative time or this valley in your life, right? You could crush out your own seed that God's giving you. God's giving. Do you know that you don't dream anything without God putting it there? The Bible says that without a vision, my people perish or the people perish, right? So God gives us the vision the vision to dream and to have aspirations. What kind of a, of, a, of, a, of a horrible God would it be that would give man the power to dream and not to achieve what he dreamed? Think about that for a second. Is that the God we know? The God who tells us, well, you could dream it, but you'll never do it. Ha <laughs> ha, sucker. It's not the God I serve, man. The God, the God that I serve says amen and yes, yes. I have, I'll give you the desires of your heart according to my will. Amen? So basically here, we're dealing with people that have come out of Egypt and God is saying, hey, come on, man. Go over there. Go and check out this place. Go check out the land I've given you. And how many times haven't people in Egypt, the non-believers, heard us who are in the promised land, who are walking with the Holy Spirit, say, dude, you got to stop what you're doing. you got to give your life to Jesus. It's not, just, it's not just being religious. It's just a new thing. You're going to love it. It's awesome. Jump in. The water's great. No, man, I'd rather stay over here wallowing in my sin. Do you think they're really happy? No. <laughs> really? Yeah, the mighty bold of you there. No. Absolutely not. I, I happen to agree. I, I, I believe that, that, that people that are in the world go through periods of happiness. Mm-hmm. But they're just periods. But, but when the rubber meets the road, when the doo-doo hits the fan, if you will, 
Then their worlds are twisted topsy-turvy and they don't have an answer. I know that no matter what my giant is in my life, no matter what circumstance, what wall God puts in front of me or allows to get in front of me, I know that through Christ I can do all things because he strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. You see, and that is so important because I don't sit there and go, but why God? And, and, and why God? And it's interesting because these guys went into the land of milk and honey. They came back, okay? They brought back, they brought back this huge thing of grapes. I mean, the, 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 the branches of grapes that they brought back were so huge, it took a couple guys to carry it. Okay, so the, these must have been like some, some, some nuclear-looking grapes, y'all. They were huge, watermelon-looking grapes. You know, would you like a grape? <laughs> Funk, you know. So, I, I mean, but yet they come back and, and you know, Joshua and, 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 and Caleb, you know, and we're going to touch on Joshua in a second, but... They come in and they say, dude, we can do this. Yeah, there's some giants in there, but hey, we can do this. And if you read in 30 here, go ahead and keep reading, Sandy. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. See, he's standing on God's promises. Okay, but of course, here's, here's the multitude. And, and this is interesting because I, I think that this is kind of reflective of what's going to happen here of today's church. Okay, and, and, and this is the, the, the reason I like these Bible studies because we really get to kind of, they're, they're free-flowing and, and, and we don't really know where we're going to go, but we know we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Amen? Amen. So is everybody getting some out of this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Praise God. So... So basically what we're, what we're doing here is if you look, now here you've got a pastor at a church, for example. He's God's, the, the person God has called to be a leader. Do you understand that a leader is not above anybody? He's not greater than anybody. The thing is that somebody's got to lead. Anything with two heads is a freak. Yes. Okay. Anything with two heads is a freak. <clears throat> okay. So you can't do that. So I'm the leader of my company. Okay, I run my company. I'm the founder and the leader. Okay, obviously led by the Holy Spirit. But in the natural, I am the leader in my company. Therefore, I have to tell my company, go this way, go that way, go the other way, go the other way. This is what I feel we're going to do. Can you imagine if a few people in my company said, you know, they, they all got together and said, you know, Mikey's nuts. You know, and he's the boss and all that. But we run the customer service department, and we don't like that sale that he's doing right now. So what we're going to do, we're going we're to just disobey what Mikey says. And as a matter of fact, what we're going to do is we're going to incite his customers against him. And we're going we're gonna to make his customers think that he's a bad person. And that's what happens in churches a lot of the times when the, when the pastor gets a word from God and says, let's go do something. And it could be something as minimal as a church picnic. Let's go here. Oh, no, the pastor wants to go over there. How dare he want to do that? Doesn't he know that it's, we got to sweat out there? You know, or whatever. And it could be something more serious. It could be a doctrinal thing. And in the tongue, start a wagon. And the did you hear, start. 
And the people start calling on their phones, girl, did you hear? We got to pray for him. You ever seen people who pray like that? Well, we got to pray for so-and-so because you know they're da 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 and they tell you the person's life story, and they tell you all about what that person did, and we got to pray for them. Buying that spirit of gossip and say, we don't need to know what we need to pray for. We just know that this person needs prayer. And God, you know to meet them at their greatest place of need and pray. And we pray for them because the Bible, the Bible speaks strongly about the giving or receiving of a bad report. Do you know that you're in just as much trouble if you hear gossip than if you speak it? Okay, and we're going to see that in a second. So if we go to 31, we're going to see the same thing going on. Now, Caleb has said, hey, we can do this. Let's do this. Let's go get this thing. Let's go follow. Let's go take God at his word. But the men who had gone up with him, the customer service department, what did they say, Sandy? We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Oh, no, they are too strong for us. And what else? So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Roar! <laughs> and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. So now... Didn't we just say that they gave a bad report? Yes. Mm -hmm. And we can see, we're going to go down, but we'll we'll do that in a minute. Um, We're going to talk about where God really, really took it real personal that these guys gave a bad report. Mm -hmm. Because now, now they're making stuff up. Now they're saying it devours. You know, it's awful. Now, now they're actually speaking into existence. Do you know that Job, Job said in the middle of all of his turmoil, he said, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. And listen, I'm not going to always sit here and say, oh, watch out. God's not sitting up there going, now let's see what Sandy says now. Watch Jesus, watch this. She's going to screw up and I'm going to send some calamity into her life. Watch Jesus, watch. No. That's not what he's doing. The fact is, though, that you and your stinking thinking and that little tongue of yours can get you into a whole lot of trouble because first you think it, then you say it, then you do it. You see? And if you're not thinking God thoughts, if you're not saying God works, words, then you're not doing God stuff. You understand? So these people are making up stuff. They don't know that the land devours its inhabitants. (laughs) What, does the mouth of the land open up? (laughs) No. Did did they see any man-eating plants in this place? I I saw milk, honey, grapes. Yeah, there's some giants. So what? I mean, come on. No no big deal. A few giants. You know, nothing nothing a spear can't get rid of. But no. So, so basically here, we've got people naysaying God, and God takes this just a little personal. Henry, what, what happens down here in Numbers 14, 2? And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness? This is truly Truly the way that we are sometimes when we get saved. And remember when we did a, a, a study on, on, on the different types of seed and where it lands? 
you know, how some, some seed lands on fertile ground and, 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 and really gains root and, and, and it creates a believer that, that, is, uh, that is really rooted in the word and follows the word. Then you've got the, the seed that landed on, on, uh, on ground that took real quick root, but the moment that the sun comes, yeah. it burns up. Then you've got, of course, the seed that landed on ground didn't do nothing. <laughs> okay, well, this is, this is seed number two. Here's some people just got out of Egypt. Hallelujah, God got us out of Egypt. Yay, yeah, we do. Look, we plundered Egypt. We got all their goodies. We got their earrings. We got that, uh, all, all this different stuff. And, and look, he's feeding us and everything. But now, the land he promises had some giants in it. The land devours its people. And, and what kind of a God is this anyway, Moses, that you, 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 Moses, you brought us with this God of yours. We just should have just stayed over there in, in Egypt where we had a chicken in every pot. And sure, we were making bricks, but hey, we were living, man. It was all good. Notice how it didn't say that some of the congregation, right? It said all of the sons, all the sons yeah. of Israel. There wasn't a, a person in the place that would stand with these guys. Now they're throwing rocks at Moses. You know, why didn't we just die over there? Oh, God, why did, you know, I, I got saved, God. You know, I did you the favor. I got saved. You've been calling me. And I finally, I, I gave you my life, God. I gave you everything I had, every single little thing. Don't you put any value on all the sin and all the blasphemous words I ever said and all the debauchery? Isn't that worth anything, God? I mean, of course, I'm being a little sarcastic, but that's really how we are, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When we get saved, we go to the Lord, God, now here's a little turmoil, a little trouble. God, why, why? Why did I get saved? Why did I do you the favor to get saved? Why did I, why did I do you the favor? God, does God sit there and tell us, well, you should have been hanging up on that cross? No. The word does, but God never does. God says, but I love you. But you know, the scripture says that God will not, uh, will not uh, deal with man or he will not strive with man forever. Yeah. You see, so God, I mean, how many times, and, and really, if you think about it, we're, we're, like, we're like kids. I mean, God doesn't have any grandkids. You know, because grandparents spoil their grandkids. My, my parents-in-law were just over with, uh, with the kids today. And, uh, and my daughters are screaming, and I'm on the phone, I'm trying to work. I'm like, come on, guys, quiet down. Shh, why are you talking like that to the girls? Because, you know, they're grandparents. I, I tell people, I always tell people, grandparents are so nice to grandkids because they're getting closer to heaven now, so they're trying to make up for all the yelling they did at their kids. <laughs> but but, uh, but no, it, you know, God, God only has children. And, and like us, with our children, you know, you can tell your kid, don't do this. But dad, I want to do that. But son, I love you. I don't want you to do that. But dad, I want to do that. Son, I told you I've been there. I've done that. I don't want you to do that. But dad, I want to do it. You're either going to smack him in the behind, say you're not going to do that, this, that, or you're going to say, okay, fine. Go. Go, like the prodigal. Go. Go, and, and knowing, knowing that that child is going to get hurt or whatever, but because he didn't listen, he, you got to let him go. You got to go let him do what he was doing. 
Amen? So that's where these guys now, they're griping at God. Why didn't we just die? I mean, God, if you brought us this far, I mean, what kind of a cruel God are you anyway? I mean, Dad, what kind of a dad are you? I mean, all I got is an F on my report card, and, and, and it's the biggest party of the year, Dad, and, and, I just, and it's just this one, this one party, and you, what kind of a dad are you? I, I hate you. How many of us don't say that to God? I hate you. I, I don't know why I even got saved to begin with. What kind of a, of a God are you? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Verse 4. That's awful. Can you imagine? Think about that. Here, God sent his only begotten son. And remember, this is a typology, right? Okay, whatever went on, what went on here is a typology of what goes on in the New Testament times, right? So picture, here we are, modern day believers Jesus has come, died on a cross for us. And just because our faith walk is a little difficult, I hate you, God. I'm not, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't want this. I'm going to go back to Egypt. I'm going to go back to what I did because I was having fun. I was better off there. Sometimes it's better, folks, that you not get saved at all. The scripture says that the man who does that, who goes back to Egypt after he gets saved, is worse off than if he had never gotten saved to begin with. That is really the way that we are with God. Here he sends his son. This is what we give him. Oh God, I, I, I don't know if I can handle the saving thing. I, I'm better off in Egypt. And what did he say in, in the scripture? Didn't he say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me? Didn't, didn't it, when, when the storms came, wasn't, wasn't Jesus with the disciples? Mm -hmm. You see, whenever there's tribulation, because Jesus said when there is trouble, he didn't say if there is trouble or if there are trials. He said when there are trials. Know that I will indeed be with you. And I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. um, who knows, it may say that exactly like that in some translations. There's so many of them now. It says, it says I'll be with you. And it says that in just about all the translations I've read. And that's very comforting. But when you're looking at God and you're saying, hey, I'm just going to go back to Egypt. You know, I'm tired of this Christian thing. True story. When I got saved, I used to think that Christians were different than everybody else. That they were better than everybody else. And the more I walk with the Lord, the more I realize how decrepit a human being I really am, can be, and always was. See, what, what, makes, what makes us different is the fact that we realize how truly, truly lost in our sin we were. It's not that we're better. It's that we're thankful. We're, people think that, oh, you know, they look at us and they say, oh, these Christians, they're, they're being nice to people, you know, just because they're trying to get good with God. No, that's not true. Do you know why we're nice to people? Because we're thankful. Because we realize that, you know, God did this for us. And you guys that don't understand why we're so happy all the time, why we're so joyful, we, we understand because we were there where you were once. 
and we understand that you're, that you're lost. And it doesn't mean you're lost. Ha ha, you're lost, sucker. We know the way and you don't. It just means, man, you're lost, dude. And I, I really have feelings for you, man. I really, how can I, how can I convince you through my life, through what God has done for me, that God is not a respecter of persons and he'll do it for you. Don't worry about how dirty you are. You know, Charles Stanley, I heard him teach once and he was talking about, he said, well, you know, um, do you know that how many government agencies are out there trying to eradicate Christian groups? And, And you know why? It's because they look in a mirror and they know that they're lost. Deep down inside, every man knows he's a sinner and he knows that there's accountability. And Charles Stanley said it, and I, I, I was, I, I, hallelujah, Charles Stanley. He said, you know what? Even if every single one of us were removed off the face of the earth, they would still be just as lost, but they would have no comparison. Think about that. So think about how God's grace is working in us and how God uses you and I. It really gives a new meaning to your faith walk, doesn't it? We're called to not even walk in the mere appearance of sin, but not for our sake, but for Christ's sake, for what Christ did for us. We're supposed to walk in righteousness that he gave us so that people say, wow, there's something different about you, man. What, what is that? Mm-hmm. And you say, well, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not anything that, that, that's of me. Mm-hmm. It's of the Lord. And, and they say, well, what Lord is that? Well, let me, let me introduce you to him. He's, he's my dad, and his name is Jesus. But no. Instead, we turn around and we say, no, we're, we're going through a little tribulation. We're going to go back to Egypt. And as I said, man, God will not strive with man forever. And it seems that God's temper was particularly short <laughs> in the Old Testament. You know, and the reason why was it short? Because people say, well, why was God's temper so short? Was because the Israelites were really, really man-led. They were they they would constantly tell God, Well, give us a set of rules and regulations. We we don't want to do it your way. We don't want to ask for forgiveness when we screw up. We we're tired of doing it your way, God. We're gonna give you a way to do it and give us some laws and, and so God God was kind of getting a little fed up with these people. But they were his people, so I don't want to go too far. <laughs> you know, well, Henry, why don't you start here at, uh, at uh, verse 26 and read down to 32, and then we're going to kind of dissect it a little bit. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me? I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel, which they are making against me. Say to them, As I live, says the Lord, Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Your corpses shall fall in this wilderness, even all your numbered men, according to your complete number, from twenty years old and upward, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Your children, however, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring them in, and they shall know the land which you have rejected. But as for you, your corpses shall fall in the wilderness. That's pretty heavy. And it, and it goes on. <laughs> Go on. And your sons shall be shepherds for forty years in the wilderness, and they shall suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. 
according to the number of days which you spied out the land, forty days. For every day you shall bear your guilt a year, even forty years, and you shall know my opposition. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. Isn't that amazing? And this is, again, back to what I said. You know, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. Granted, it's by God's grace that we walk, okay? God's not sitting up there watching and waiting for somebody to screw up and say something bad so he can, he can throw them into the dungeon of bad times. But at the same time, if, if, you, if you continue to not take God at his word, then God's going to allow some stuff to happen to you just a little bit so that you understand that God, God wants to bless you. God always wants to bless you. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. That means from trial to triumph, okay? Trial to triumph. And God is always, always going to give you the winning. You're his child. God's not a loser, y'all. God doesn't lose. God's got 100% of the battle won. But if you're his battle axe, if you're his tool, amen, and he's, and he's going to use you, and you fall out on the job. If you're trying to build a house, and you've got one hammer, and the head of that hammer decides to fall off, and you can't put it back on again, guess what? It's not your fault that you, you looked at the house and you built the plans, you made the plans, you put them all out, you got all the materials, you set everything up, it's that stupid hammer that broke. You understand? Mm-hmm. And if you, and, 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 and what are you going to do with that hammer? You're going to throw it away, you're going to use another one. Because you're tired of that hammer. You've been holding that hammer together, you've been taking care of that hammer, you've been, but it finally just gave out, it just didn't do it anymore. And a lot of us are like that with the Lord. A lot of us miss out on what, on what God has for us because we don't listen to what God has promised us. What God promises you in the light, folks, he's never, ever going to take away in the dark. When you're in the dark, when you can't see the Lord, when you can't feel God in your life, guess who moved? He didn't. Okay, we did. And when we move, what do we do? We're supposed to restore our relationship. How do we do that? By looking at our lives. We're not to judge one another. We're not to judge ourselves. Judges, as we've talked about, there's condemnation. Okay, and for those in Christ, there is no condemnation, which is blame, shame, or guilt. But we are to look at our fruit and say, wow, have I, been, have I been a good Christian lately? Have I been doing what God called me to do? Have I been following the commandments? Because I don't feel the Lord in my life. Father, where are you? Where are you? You know that God, I mean, hey, listen, folks. He did it to his own son. When Jesus was up on that cross taking our sin upon himself, he said, why have you forsaken me? And you know why God forsook him at that moment? Because God cannot look upon sin. God cannot indwell, cannot share space with sin because he's so righteous and he's so holy. So if you feel God is not in your life right now, somebody moved and it ain't him, using the king's English. It ain't him. (laughs) It's you, but that's okay. 
because he's ready, waiting, and willing to restore a relationship. And how do we do that? Well, the way we find our way back to God is through his word. If you open up that word and you open up the Psalms, for example, David was a man after God's own heart. But David was a screw-up, man. David was a bloodthirsty warrior, womanizing, bad father. Tell me I'm wrong. But he was a man after God's own heart. I really believe that God put up with David because David was quick to repent. David realized that he sinned and he was quick to repent and very quick to verbalize his repentance, which is why we have the Psalms today. That's David's soul crying out, man. Lord, forgive me. I've done this, I've done that. Restore, don't take your face away from me. Don't turn your back on me. Please come back to me. And this is how, how do we come back to the Lord but this very way? These are God's breadcrumbs. You know how Hansel and Gretel had the little breadcrumbs in the, in the forest? But no birds are going to come and eat ours. God left his testimony for us so that when we're in the dark, we can look at his word and we can follow it back to the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me. But no, here are these people. <laughs> and they say there's this and there's that. And God gets tired of it. So what does God do? Well, he says, you know, I can't do anything with these people anymore. What ends up happening is he ends up saying, you know, the people that are over 20, well, we're going to just wait. We're going to hang out. We're going to keep you here for 40 years, shepherding and all that stuff. A trip that, a trip that really could have taken you nine days. But now because, and, and, and not only that, not, not only that it could take nine days, but they were at the very borders of it. Mm -hmm. They were right there. They had already taken the trip. Mm -hmm. Imagine, it's like you taking a trip from Miami to Orlando, and you gripe so much, and you gripe so much, and you gripe so much, that you're right there getting off the turnpike, and God says, well, now for griping so much, you're going to be on this turnpike right here for the next 40 years. You see Orlando over there? See that? <laughs> you're never going to go in there. You're never going to go in there. You're going to die. And those same kids you said that I'm so malicious and I'm so awful, and they're going to inherit the land. They're going to have it. And you're not. Mm -hmm. And better yet, you know what? What I'm going to do, I'm going to put Joshua, Joshua to lead your kids in. Now this is interesting because here we see again another typology. We've got, we got a bunch of typology in this book where we've got the people following Moses mm -hmm. and the people that followed Joshua. Well, what's, what's, what's the nickname or the short name for Joshua but Yeshua? Mm -hmm. Yeshua is Jesus. Mm -hmm. You see? So basically, here we've got people that are struggling between following Moses, which is the law, mm -hmm. okay, and people following Jesus, which is leading us into the promised land. We could take that further by saying that when Joshua went into Jericho, he saw the angel of the Lord, again, Jesus, mm -hmm. standing there with a sword, the word. Mm -hmm. And he gave that city to Joshua. And then as Joshua progressed, he fought with him at the next place. Mm -hmm. And then through him at the last place. You see, so basically this is back, we've come kind of full circle here where we've, got, where we've got the children of the Israelites going into the promised land 
with Yeshua. And I really believe that this is the problem that modern day Jews have is they're, they're trying to stick with Moses. They're trying to stick with the law. They don't understand. Jesus said, I've come to do a new thing. This is my new covenant. Mm -hmm. The old covenant's gone. And, and quite candidly, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. If Jews, if Jews really want to stick to the old ways of doing things, and there's no sacrifices at Jerusalem anymore, which there aren't, how are these folks repenting for their sin? Hmm. Awful. They're not. Awful. They're not. They're being lied to. They're being kept away from a promise that's come to them through thousands of years. God is waiting for his people to come to him and say, Father, we love you. We're here. We believe in your son that you sent for us. Thank you for, for redeeming us, for bringing us back into your relationship. But no. They're still back there with Moses. They want to hang out with the law. They don't want to come back to God's grace. Amen. And that's the problem with a lot of us when we get saved. Let's pick it up. Let's take it down a, a better road here. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. You guys know the story. Here we've got David, the children of Israel again. Okay, this is later though. This is, uh, this is after the whole Moses thing and all that. Now, now of course, they've, uh, they, they, they went through a period of judges and instead of, having, instead of allowing uh, God to, to use judges to guide them or, or you know, basically what people that would hear, they would have godly wisdom and they would direct the, 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 kingdom, you know, the kingdom of Israel or the land of Israel. I'm sorry, it wasn't a kingdom yet because they didn't have a king. When they, they said, no, we want a king that'll go out before us and will fight for us and do this and that for us and will tax us and all this other stuff, like all the other lands. And God says, oh, okay, you want that? So he got Saul, the guy who visited the witches, but that's beside the point. So here we got Saul and, and, and all the, 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 the children of Israel here, and they're ganged up and they're fighting the Philistines, back to fighting giants again. Okay, and here's David. He's about 14 years old at the time. Okay, and David has already, he was, remember, remember back and Samuel went to his house and he went to the house of Jesse because the Lord told him to go anoint the new king of Israel because Saul had been messing up and, and, and God said, I'm not going to do this anymore with this guy. I'm going to anoint a new one. Mm -hmm. And God will replace you. Now notice, God did, now this is the scary part that I, I, I realized. Do you realize that Saul never lost his anointing, meaning he never lost his kingship. God just killed him. <laughs> Think about that. So just because you're anointed, just because you're still walking in your anointing, doesn't mean that God may be with you. The Bible says that he never realized that the spirit of the Lord left him. That's a very sad thing. That happened to Samson. That's happened to a couple of other people in the scripture. And they don't realize, which means that they're so dominated by their sin that they don't realize that the Spirit of the Lord has left them. But here, in this, in, this particular, in this particular case, we have David, who has been anointed as king, but his time has not come yet. Remember, you are first called, which is, hey, I got a new king that's going to go to Israel. Go over there and anoint him. Then you're anointed. Then you're appointed. You understand? So when God calls you, God calls you. You come, then you're anointed, which means, you know, you, you start learning, you start, you start walking in what he gives you. Then he appoints you. 
He puts you in the place where he wants you to be, where he's called you to be. So here David is still in his anointing period, and, but, but God has started to show David that, you know, dude, with me, you can, you can beat up a bear. You can kill a lion with your bare hands. I mean, here, here we're, you know, and even, and even later, you know, what did they say? Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. You know, so the anointing of the Lord was obviously with David, and of course Saul was angry. So David, being the spirit-filled believer that he was, over here in verse 26, go ahead, Leo, and uh, read, read to us here in verse 26 of 1 Samuel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Now, think about that. That was a big thing, and that was the second half of verse 26, by the way. Um, an uncircumcised Philistine. It's basically, who is this uncircumcised, dirty pig coming against the Lord? Taunting, na 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 the armies of the Lord. That's amazing. So Goliath is there talking, oh, do you come to me with, a, with, a, you know, with sticks and with stones and, and all this other stuff? Am I a dog? And, 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 and notice, now, this is really interesting because, again, typology, typology, typology. Here David is facing a challenge. Here's this giant, man, dude, seven feet tall. He's got a spear that weighs, what, 300 shekels? God knows what that was, but that's a whole lot. 300 of anything of, of metal. <laughs> it's got to be a lot. Here David is facing this giant. David doesn't, doesn't run away. David doesn't go and cower in a quarter. I mean, even Saul, the guy that they had, that they had, uh, that they had appointed as their king, said, oh, no, David, you can't do this, man. But, but the thing that I find interesting is that Saul was at his wit's end. He's looking at this 14-year-old kid. And Saul said, you can't do it. And David said, yeah, I can, yeah, I can. Saul was so desperate that he finally acquiesced and said, fine, go. Think about that for a minute. Here's the king of a nation who doesn't have enough guts to do it himself, so he sends a 14-year-old kid to go and do it instead. Fine, you know, he puts up a fight. Oh, you can't do that, but when push comes to shove, sure, go, you go, man. I'm going to stay here in my palace, chilling. You tell me when he's dead. And of course, David, David tromps in later with the head of the giant. Can you just see that now? <laughs> a little 14-year-old kid running around with a big old head in his hand. Hey, look, buddy, look what I got. But uh, playing basketball and whatnot. But... And, and as you see, he didn't back down. Go down to verse 48. Then it happened, which means some time passed. No, 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 no. Look, look what you sent me. You sent me this kid. What kind of a kid? Punk, I'm going to eat you up, man. I'm going to tear you limb from limb. I'm going to eat you up and spit you out. I'm going to chew you up. I'm going to feed you to my lions. You watch. What does David do in, in verse 48? Go ahead and read, Henry, on, in, uh, in verse 48. Then it happened. When the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Now, wait a minute. No, I, no that must be a misprint. I mean, I got a giant coming to meet me. Dun, 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 dun. Coming up to the battle line. I'm not going to run, am I? But no, it says that David ran towards him. Towards him. He ran the giant. And this is the whole point of the teaching, folks. We are called to run at the enemy, not run from 
the enemy. God has given us the power to trample on serpents and scorpions. Amen? We're the head and not the tail. When the enemy says you're a loser, tell him you lost 2,000 years ago. You're right, I was a loser, but now I live. Now I'm redeemed. You're lost. You're going to be, you're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. I'm going to judge you. See, when Satan tells you where you came from, remind him where he's going. Amen? You need to look your giant in the face and you need to say, I'm not scared of you. Who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? Who are you? I come in the name of God. I come in the name of the mighty Lord Jesus. I come in the anointing of the Holy Spirit by God and I am going to trample you like it's nobody's business. Because I am the head, I'm not the tail. And, I, and start reading scripture. You know, sometimes we've been, we've been doing deliverance and we've just seen where just reading scripture makes spirits leave. Doesn't matter what you read. I've, 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 the, the Holy Spirit has given me scripture to read during deliverance that I've, I've gone back later and, I, and I've told Henry, I said, why did we read that? And Henry, of course, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, said because they just didn't like to hear the scripture, man. That's all. I don't know otherwise why else, but they just didn't like to hear that because it had nothing to do with what was going on at the moment. Don't you understand, folks, that the enemy can't stand hearing the promises of God for his people? Mm -hmm. And that scripture's full of them. And it's real clear. Just read the stuff in red. That's it. All you got to do. When you don't know, when you don't know what to read in the Bible, just open it up, folks. Here, quick. Bible 101. Read the red. That's it. Doesn't matter. You don't need to know anything else about the Bible. You want to know, you want to know the good thing? Read the red. Because everything in red is what Christ has for you and for me. Amen? Amen. Are we in victory? Are we going to stomp on our giants? Are we going to run at our giants? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. Lord, we give you thanks because you teach us to run at giants and not run from giants. Lord, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with us. And for that, we give you thanks, Lord, and praise. Father, we worship you today. We thank you for this Bible study that though it went a little long, Lord, we know that we've heard from your Holy Spirit today. Shoot, I was blessed today, Lord. I, I'm amazed at some of the things you said today because I, I got to go back and listen to this. This is cool. But Father, we give you thanks. And Father, we look forward to meeting with your Holy Spirit again next week. Father, give us a great week ahead of us. Bless these that are with me here. Let them have a wonderful week, Lord. Let there be restoration in their lives, in their finances, in their jobs. Let there be great words for them, Lord. Father, bless your people, for we love you, Lord, and we stand on your promises. You're the very air we breathe. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.